0: Everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we will be talking about the most recent episode of Only Murders in the Building called Twist. And we will also be talking about the latest episode of Nine Perfect Strangers called The Wheels on the Bus. I'm once again joined by Sona. Hi. So if you're interested in one topic versus the other, please, once again, just check show notes. I would assume probably close to the midpoint of the episode would be where we're going to transition from one conversation to the other. But if you don't want to get spoiled on one show or you're only interested in nine perfect strangers, which is going to be the second topic we'll cover today, I'll put specific timestamps so you know where to jump to so that you don't spoil yourself if you do plan to watch one show or the other. Uh, Let's start off with the recaps of uh, Only Murders in the Building before we get to what I am going to finally unleash my dislike for (laughs) all the things I have not liked about Nine Perfect Strangers up until this (laughs) point. And I I haven't just been biting my tongue along the way. I normally, because I'm more of a film fan rather than a TV fan, traditionally, I have a lot of patience because there are movies, some of my favorite movies that kind of make you wait. You're kind of like suspended for a long period of time. And then the payoff comes at the end. So I try to hold my tongue and say, maybe these things will pay off. But I think at this point with one episode to go, A lot of the things that have been frustrating me this whole entire time are not going to pay off, and I'm going to get into that. So, But we'll start with something more positive (laughs) with uh, the latest version of Only Murders in the Building. But before we do that, oftentimes I have a feeling that people probably don't make it all the way to the end of these episodes, and you may not get to our recommendations. I want to start off with a recommendation because I... Found the show on FX on Hulu, another something I just discovered this week. I binge watched the whole show and it's about to wrap up tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday, by the way. So it will be wrapping up tomorrow, Monday. Um, and I highly recommend this. It is very bingeable and you've probably heard about it. You've probably seen promos for it. It is Reservation Dogs. Have you heard about this at all?
1: I have heard it so good and it's on my list of things to watch. Probably when we're done with these, I'm going to
0: watch it. It is so good. The episodes are probably like 20 some odd minutes long. Uh, The first episode's not a great pilot. It's good. It it sets up the world very well. It introduces these characters, these kids who live on this reservation, a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. And uh, so it does a good job of setting them up, but it's not stellar. Like, I mean, it's good. It it definitely didn't turn me off in any way. The reason I just mentioned that is that you may very well be entertained by that first episode. The second, third, fourth episodes, those next two or three episodes, are so hysterically funny. These characters are so likable. They're so quirky. The stories are so strange. And it just makes me laugh. And then in the midst of this show, as I'm like laughing at these jokes, they just inject this humanity to these characters that totally catches you off guard. And then they, towards the end of the show, they add even supernatural elements to this, like kind of Native American lore and stuff. But the last couple of episodes, they Take the show it like this emotional place where I mean it knocked me out. It totally knocked me out. It it is so good and I really highly recommend it. I can't
1: and the whole show is available right now. The, oh, you said it's going to finish now, right? Right. So I watched it's, the it's first tomorrow. seven. Ep- okay.
0: Correct. I watched the first seven episodes. It's wrapping up tomorrow. So you'll be, the whole season will be available tomorrow. Great. Basically. I can't wait to watch. And like I binged the whole thing. Like I said, it, minus credits, you're 20 something minutes. You not? It's like the length of a movie. You watch the whole thing. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait. And, uh, and what I would say, the uh, analogy I'd make is to Atlanta. It's a show that kind of can do anything. It will go in any bizarre direction <laughs> it wants to go. Also on FX, by the way, Atlanta. Um, uh, Donald Glover's um, show. It it can do anything genre-wise. And uh, it's just like lives in this world that it creates and it's really just a terrific show. And yeah, so I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's it's terrific. The last thing I'd mention is the Emmy Awards are tonight. Anybody who wants to get caught up on Loki or... uh, of Mare of Town, which are probably going to clean up tonight at the Emmy Awards. If you are going to catch up on those shows, uh, we do have recaps of those shows in this feed, so make sure to track them down. Did you have any recommendations before we jump into the show?
1: Yeah, I won't go too far into it, but um, when I was watching Nine Perfect Strangers this week, and I, I have liked the show quite a bit up until now, but I did turn against it as far as <laughs> this last episode Um, And I said, you know, it has this like fever dream thing they're trying to do, but very unsuccessfully, I felt. And I thought but I always hate when it's a fever dream kind of feeling to something. There's only one time I have ever liked it. And so that's what my recommendation is for this week, which is um, the show Hannibal. Oh, yeah. And I think it is such a beautiful show. Um, So many uh, really beautifully told stories. The interaction between the characters is amazing. It's a few seasons long. I can't remember exactly how many. I, I feel it ended too soon, to be honest. Really watchable, whether you are a fan of that whole Silence of the Lamps thing or not. Not
0: only are the storylines great, but it's just beautiful to watch. It's on Netflix right now, by the way, so it's very easy for folks to get their hands on it. And I have that on my list of finally watching it through. I tried to watch it. I remember we've had a conversation about this in the past where I had issues with the way it glamorized some of its violence, but- It is
1: very graphic. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not a fan of gore like that, but here, um, I just, I loved all of it so much that I was willing to move past it. But I agree with you. It is very gory.
0: But, but I still want to catch up on it. There's a lot of elements of it that are very curious. To your point, by the way, the original plan was, I think it was five seasons and it was supposed to- dovetail you know at the end of that five seasons it would have integrated with the science of the Lambs timeline mm-hmm, so uh, mm-hmm. so you're right that it got cut off before it kind of got to that and I think Netflix at one point was even discussing possibly continuing it you know because Netflix kind of picks up these abandoned shows and makes them popular manifest was something I haven't watched but It's a failed show on NBC. It survived for a couple of seasons. They brought it to Netflix. It literally became their number one show on Netflix. And now Netflix is going to have an extra long season to kind of wrap up the entire timeline. So a similar thing was supposedly proposed for uh, Hannibal. And I think that, you know, the cast wasn't available and there's all these rights problems with, you know, one person owns one character. And it
1: has big, big names in it, right? It has Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. It has um, Hugh Dancy.
0: Nancy, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen, <laughs> by the way, is always busy. And as, as is Hugh Dancy, actually, but but Mads Mikkelsen specifically, is, you know, constantly. Julian
1: Anderson yeah, as well. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah, she's also making, uh, she has a uh, sex ed, right? On Netflix also. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's ever going to come to fruition at this point. But the last question I had was because of your interest in that and, and the mythology around that character, did you watch uh, Clarice at all on CBS? You
1: know, I did on and off, though. Um, I didn't watch every single episode. Just I, If I happened to catch it on, I watched it. And I, and I did enjoy it. I mean, much more our direct connection to the Silence of the Lambs timeline there, right? right. Like, it, I think it happens immediately after that. I did enjoy it. I feel like a lot of people hated it from what I heard. But I did enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, Maybe because I am not so invested in that mythology is part of the reason I was able to enjoy it.
0: Right, I've considered it because it's available on... Paramount Plus, the whole thing, and also ironically, that Paramount Plus was supposedly—and I don't know what happened—but supposedly they had announced that that season two of Clarice would be available exclusively on Paramount Plus, and then something happened, and they pulled the plug on the show, so it's not happening after. Oh,
1: one. interesting. So this—that I didn't. know.
0: So that the, this um, the mythology that the, the, the uh, Thomas Harris is that the <laughs> author's name. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh-huh. uh, his mythology is just cursed. <laughs> they cannot get these projects.
1: I guess so. <laughs>
0: okay, so with that all out of the way, let's get into this latest episode of Only Murders in the Building called Twist. <laughs> there she is. What? <gasps> tie-dye guy. It's tie-dye guy. Okay, we, we, we gotta follow them. I'm gonna get my car, you stay on. All right, I'll wait. Wait, you have a car? Go after them on foot, and then call me when you know where they are, and then I'll swing by and pick you up. Okay, I'll wait. You pay for parking here? The title twist, I think it's pretty straightforward.
1: I suppose so. We learn more about what Tim Kono is really getting up into.
0: We discover that Mabel is tied in. I I mean, it's a twist for for Charles and for Oliver. Not a twist for us, because we've been privy to it the whole time. But the uh, fact that she is like kind of new Tim Kono, right?
1: I guess I was thinking of the twist as what Tim Kono was really doing. But I guess it could go either way.
0: Good point. Yeah, the twist for us, right? That's a good point. Yeah, the twist for us is the reveal at the very end that, that Tim Kono apparently was trying to take down somebody who, a jeweler? Is that correct?
1: A black market a jewelry, jewelry right? smuggling ring?
0: What, and I guess we're jumping ahead there, but you know this is a pretty slight episode, so I think we could jump around and in, in recapping yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's fine. The um, What's interesting there is I still think that this might be a red herring yet again. Uh, we may get to the bottom of this smuggling ring, but I don't think it's the murder case because if this person who murdered Tim Kono was killing him because of this illicit jewelry operation, then why did they leave all the jewelry behind?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Unless, you know, they thought that he really was just an avid collector of the Hardy Boys. The books.
0: <laughs> Didn't want to touch those books, God forbid. So. <laughs> yeah, And then again, they were trying to make it look like a suicide, right? So they might have just not wanted to not disturb things, right? If they, True, if they ransacked the house, well. then that would be a little suspicious
1: yeah yeah that's you know, that's true but then like kind of what's the point I, well i guess you stop it from going any further but you're still
0: and if you don't track sure. it down i mean it's not only about um the jewelry but if you know that he has evidence and you leave it behind then you know you're still exposed right just to get to the episode proper uh mabel is being followed by tie-dye guy tie-dye guy turns out to be oscar uh in a tie-dye as we speculated last week he you know, did get out of prison a little bit earlier. He was there.
1: Yeah. I don't love that by the way. Like I, you know, I feel like that's a little bit of a cheat there, but okay. Yeah.
0: I don't mind that because I think that that is pretty common that a people get dates wrong. Right. Especially, you know, the family probably doesn't want to see her. So she may have just gotten the date wrong, but not only that, like, you know, you know, release dates can just change, right. Can change, you know, Uh, you know from day to day so he might have no they she might have expected him on saturday he came out on thursday like it wouldn't have been that Uh -uh. surprising i mean it's it's a convenient oversight for sure but i don't think it's uncommon my point all right (laughs) (laughs) so she confronts oscar you know she pulls out her knitting needle or whatever it is that she has her weapon that she always has and uh, she's ready to go you know like we've seen in her mind she's prepped yeah and uh you know we know that she'll be able to do this because we already saw that flash forward where She's standing over her body later. So she's well-trained in her paranoia.
1: Yeah, but I will say, listen, the city is probably more unsafe than it's been in a long time. But the Upper West Side in broad daylight, it would be unusual to find yourself in a situation that you need to kill someone with a knitting needle. But okay, okay.
0: <laughs> One is I think it does speak to her paranoia. And we know that she's paranoid because she yeah. fantasizes <laughs> of, of about killing people every night to put herself to sleep. But um, yeah. second to that, the podcasts probably don't help either. A lot of these popular podcasts are about you know, young women basically being killed or disappearing. <laughs> oh, but, but the second thing I was going to add, second caveat there is that they do believe that there's a killer who's tracking them, right? So that she, she should have her uh, alarm up if nothing else.
1: Eh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> For the second time this episode. Oh, all right.
0: <laughs> and then uh, a pretty funny sequence where, you know, we, we um, see Charles and uh, Oliver, we see them spot her on the street and they're like, we need to go get her and we need to follow her, I should say. And uh, we find out that Oliver has a car that he has parked inside, I guess, within the building itself. You know, they basically have a parking area, I assume. And he's paying for parking there. (laughs) Which Yes,
1: many buildings do have parking garages in them here. So, yeah, that would work. I'm okay with that part.
0: (laughs) So a couple of things, though, is that as slow as traffic can be in the city.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) The amount that how quickly he gets the car out of the lot and catches up to Steve Martin on the street. I mean, this this is, it has to be a really, really serious traffic jam. just a like 10, 15 minute traffic jam. Yeah,
1: I mean, I feel like they could have established it better because certainly things like that do happen. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Like a moving truck, right? Man, moving trucks are a nightmare.
1: Right. That would be a great example of people being inside the building so they're not in a hurry to get back.
0: Yeah, so it seems a little convenient that, you know, don't get me yeah. wrong, traffic is horrible especially yeah. crossing across the park
1: yeah and now that i'm thinking about it there would be no reason to cross central park if you're going to new jersey but that's really getting into the weeds but yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the most interesting
0: thing that happens in the in the, in the episode <laughs> all right so um a couple things there is a vibe coming off of the whole oscar mabel thing they do not sure. seem to have been involved in the past but maybe there was a flirtation maybe there was some right because there.
1: it actually seemed like Oscar is with the girl who fell off the roof of the building right. or got pushed off the roof of the building right, right. so although he does um, like in
0: that flashback he does compliment both of them right so he is kind of that's true well. a little flirtatious even then right
1: good point yeah
0: so yeah so then uh they, they start following her on uh, in, in the car <laughs> he's got a very beat up car from Who knows the last time I drove this thing. It's like, it's probably from the 1970s, but it's probably hasn't been driven since the 1990s.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it makes that you pay for parking here comment even more funny because on the Upper West Side, monthly parking can be, you know, 600, 700, $800 a month. So to pay that kind of money for that kind of car is an unusual choice, but yeah.
0: This actually does say something about the character, believe it or not. You know, we know that Oliver is struggling financially. He cannot yes. keep his house. He's begging his son. The, he's
1: not paying his building fees. Yep. And,
0: and he's paying for parking, like for a car he never drives. Like this guy is so, he's living in a fantasy world, which which of course is true to his character.
1: Although maybe he's behind on his parking bill as well. <laughs>
0: and that could have been what he had to catch up on, that $35,000 for this podcast costs. <laughs> Steve Martin drives. I wonder, I I actually maybe wonder if Steve Martin was in the front and, uh, you know, it's not only a character thing to have Oliver in the back, but if it was a COVID protocol, (laughs) I'm not sure, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that setup as well.
0: But it could also just be him being a, uh, you know, him being entitled right he's used to driving in the back seat of a car when he's like you know driving an uber could or a taxi or whatever so
1: plus um you know he had that boom mic to deal with
0: oh so. good point good point yes i could so then the, yeah the, the whole interactions in the car is pretty funny they do a little bonding here yes. they, they kind of nitpick each other i liked when <laughs> there's a couple of things that i like here one is where they made all those uh, vd jokes back and forth they even turned into a song at one point long island my first time out of manhattan in five years and we're going to long island don't you go to the hamptons
1: never i got a sister in patch on she has four daughters, all with D names.
0: Dawn, Danielle, Dina, and Dagmar. The five of them are always trying to set me up with a hairdresser. Well, I have to admit, I have certainly had my share of Long Island shenanigans. I remember one time, uh, I had had a few cocktails, and uh, on a dare, I rode an elephant and then threw up in a pool at a wedding in Sayaset. I once shot an episode of Brazos and Hempstead, it doubled for Bosnia. I once got syphilis in South Setakit. And I got crabs in Massapequa. <laughs> Ooh, I got the clap, and now I'm against it. And I got saggy-bottom balls in Sag Harbor. <laughs> saggy-bottom balls is what she called me. Boom, 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 boom. She had a way
1: with the names. Saggy-bottom balls in Sag Oh, exiting. Oh, Look, they're exiting.
0: Heck...
1: Oh, yeah. Good eye. Bottom Balls is what you called
0: me. Okay, now I'm going to be singing that all day. The other uh, thing that was uh, funny there, too, was also, and this kind of is thematically uh, interesting, where Mabel has kind of lied to them. And we know that Steve Martin has these trust issues. So now it's like, you know, a- and Oliver kind of, you know, uh, puts a little salt in the wound by like writing yeah. this whole script about like, oh, you know, just you started trusting somebody. And then, and then he like says, oh, wait, maybe I should you know, rewrite that. <laughs> and uh, yes. and Charles gets so annoyed with him because he basically is, a, he realized that the whole thing is a, just, um, you know, just a performance, right?
1: Yes. Um, I also love the shout out to all those Long Island towns. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really well done. Very clever. And I like that, um, Long Island really took the brunt of the jokes versus New Jersey, <laughs> yeah. which you rarely see happen.
0: That's right. You know what? Uh, you, get, you know, New Jersey's not so bad, I, but you're right. The, <laughs> it's usually the jokes are all Jersey jokes. A thing I liked here is that where uh, Oscar is asking Mabel, like, so where are you going? And she's like, well, I'm going to meet this guy who owns this jewelry store because I cracked this Hardy Boy clue, which we were confused by last week. In our recap last week, um, I was just re listening. Yes. And we were like, what does this mean? I don't know how to interpret this. How did she figure this out? You know? Yeah. Why would you draw this conclusion? Right. Yeah. And to the show's credit, it turns out that she has leapt to crazy conclusions and she has gotten it all wrong. And uh, the there's a much more straightforward uh, clue, which is basically that their cousin who they've all gotten tattoos, these whale tattoos. On yeah. Them.
1: Can we go back to the whale yeah. tattoo for just one sec sure. too? You know, um, and I never mentioned this when we did the first three episode recap, but they showed that Mabel's whale tattoo is on the back of her shoulder. And I thought like it was such a strange choice for this show. It was kind of like a gratuitous scene of her showering and like a little bit sexy. And I thought that was like such a weird thing to put in when it was like, there are a thousand ways to show the back of someone's shoulder. I didn't know why it had to be that way. And and having watched more episodes of the show, it seems even more like incongruous with the type of show this is but okay just an aside on the whale tattoo
0: I believe uh, and I'm not 100% sure on this but I'm pretty certain that all the directors on the show are female all uh, I think as far as or at least all the episodes so far so I don't know if it was leery or not I didn't actually feel it that way but it, but I mean it's totally valid to, to call that out
1: I felt like it was just a really strange choice. Like, I definitely felt like it was trying to be sexy. And it's the only time I felt that show has done, and this show has done that.
0: Yeah, the show has not been leery at all. I agree. Very strange, yeah. Unlike, I mean, of all the criticisms I'll make for Nine Perfect Strangers, I do feel it's pretty cinematic. I think it's pretty, there's a lot of visual storytelling. And this show, on the other hand, which is fine because it's more of like a sitcom, is very much, you know, the direction is very perfunctory. I'm not really like bowled over by any of the, uh, The um, visuals in in the show, not yet anyway. And the show doesn't require it, right? Like, I mean, comedies in general don't really need a lot of visual flourish. So, I'm not criticizing the directors, their skill. I'm just talking about the style of the show in general. It's obviously a choice, but this is very much about the performers, you know, just getting two shots and three shots and, you know, getting the dynamic on camera as opposed to something that would be more visual.
1: So easy to just show her in a tank top. I don't know. I don't get it. But
0: okay. So, uh, Oscar actually has a much Simpler and accurate interpretation of the note, which is their cousin who did their tattoos, um, a group tattoo. I guess it may be Tavo. Tavo, right. Mm-hmm. For it might have been the, you know, I guess the symbol of their club. I guess we'll know, find out more about the symbol of the, of the whale. And he has a, his tattoo shop on Shore Drive. So it seems totally rational. And uh, they divert themselves. And of course, uh, Oliver and Charles are still. Trailing behind. The car finally breaks down when they stop at a uh, gas station to pick up snacks. And this is where Charles is very upset because he was kind of following her, thinking that, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt that maybe she was being abducted or something. And once again, preying on his mistrust Uh that he has, his personality issues. A couple of funny things happen here, more funny things. They run into. These two guys who uh, have a truck—they're horticulturalists—and they have to like, basically carry a cactus while they are still in hot pursuit. Oh, but I did find it very funny that they were like, "Oh, we—you know—we started this podcast, not to brag," and then they're like, "Oh, we have a horticulture podcast," which is so funny because everybody has a podcast nowadays, you know, me included. Damn, you know, Vaughn
1: and I—we got a little podcast. It's called Yard Dogs your favorite
0: horticulture homies. Ah, oh, good for you guys. Give them the old college try, that's, that's so sweet. Yeah, we got about 60,000 subscribers, it's been featured on iTunes and Spotify, it's one of the best new podcasts. You know, just trying to do a little something something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've uh, met Cindy Canning. We have an in with her. Since.
0: since. That's our girl. <laughs> yeah, we probably send this network, man. The only thing grieves she loves more than money is our plans. <laughs> She's really the third quarter culture homie. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's great. That whole thing was very funny, for me anyway, because I know the podcast world a little bit. And then they finally end up at the tattoo shop. And this is kind of where we have all our revelations. First of all... We see that she dumps out all the jewelry and goes, why did Tim have all this jewelry? Which must have
1: been super heavy for her to carry around.
0: (laughs) I know. It's kind of funny that she just conveniently had it all.
1: She could have just hit Oscar on the head with that rather than put up the knitting needle, you know? (laughs)
0: True. (laughs) You know, they all come clean. She's like, why have you been following me? They're like, why did you lie about not knowing these guys? And basically she says, you know, I found this jewelry inside Tim Kota. So they're it's all kind of coming out into the open of what's happening. And uh, Tavo uh, says, well, I don't know what this is all about, but I do know that he was afraid that someone was going to try to kill him. And Mm -hmm. they go, well, why? And he goes, well, I don't know, but I know that he was trying to get to the bottom of some black market jewelers. And then she goes, well, maybe that explains this. And that's when she dumps out all the jewelry. So that's kind of where we leave things at that moment.
1: And we see Oscar's hesitation with getting back into this sphere of his life, right, that you know, originally he's so into her and into spending time with her and wants to do all these things with her and Then, True. when he finds out what Mabel is really up to, he's kind of saying like, that's my past I'm not going back there
0: right.
1: um, and even leaves her for a minute to just take right. care of this on her own and then you know, has second thoughts and decides that he's going to do this with her.
0: Yeah. And some of his motivations, the fact that he's trying to divert her still make me think that he is a little sketchy right here. We already had known that he ran up the stairs when everybody's running down the stairs. So did he trigger the fire alarm?
1: And he Mm -hmm. has lied to her too, right? Because he Mm -hmm. said, I was going up the stairs to see you. Right. But then he does come clean at the end and say, I wasn't going to see you. I was going to see Tim Kona.
0: But it's only after Charles says, "I saw you going up the stairs," and then she's like, "Well, that wouldn't have made sense because you're right. that's past my floor, right?" So, right. and then that's only then is when he finally says, "Well, I actually was going to go see Tim Kono, and I was about to knock on the door." And we see it, but we see it from his point of view, so we don't know if this is true or not. And that's when he hears the gunshot, right? But we did hear him do the voiceover at the beginning of the show too. So is he going to become, become a POV character? I don't know if we should trust his POV yet. I'm a little sketchy on this whole thing. I still don't think it's going to be him, but he may be involved more so than he's letting on at this point is what what i think Mm -hmm. and that's where we leave it i mean i we obviously don't have any new suspects here except we we do have a new lead right as far as this jeweler is but i think that's about it right we don't have any this is a lot of filler i'd say this is mildly entertaining yeah this
1: was definitely my least favorite episode of this show so far although i did still enjoy it for sure Um, Just, you know, if I have to rank them, this is my least favorite. I think I'm excited for them to get back into their building. You know, I like those stories.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I feel like this is filler and we needed to have the time between Oscar and Mabel. But most likely, I think once they're all back in the building, it's going to be the three of them all together all the time. Most of the time, maybe this is almost like the midpoint of the show. So it's kind of taking the show in a different direction, but it's kind of doing a lot of work, but definitely not as funny as last week's episode, which was absolutely hilarious.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: to our nasty, nasty (laughs) review of the absolutely terrible (laughs) episode (laughs) of Nine Perfect Strangers. This episode of Nine Perfect Strangers is called The Wheels on the Bus. And the wheels on the bus are falling off (laughs) this show. They've
1: done fell off, I think. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So this show, up until this point, I've had a lot of reservations about it. But I would say, specifically, the Francis... Tony storyline has been really pretty strong very strong I'd say even
1: really beautifully done I thought
0: I thought the Marconi's storyline although I think they made it more melodramatic than they needed it to be has been very good the Marconi's as well the actors Mm -hmm. are all doing very good work in general agree and maybe this is like the original sin of the show, that third episode, fourth episode, whichever episode there was where I really complimented how great everyone's performances were. The first of that string of great great scenes in that episode was the one-on-one between Carmel and Masha. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, what great work this actress is doing. And I feel absolutely horrible for her i'm like she is the angry black lady and i'm just so
1: not just angry but mentally unstable crazy like it's just
0: horrible it's i can and this is just one of the many things i can't stand but it's the worst of all these things i can't stand about the show right now that they do such a discredit to this performance it's just ridiculous and that's my general opinion. And I think you feel the same way, but we can start breaking down the episode as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I like the show more than you up until now. And I wasn't, you know, this isn't the best show I've ever seen, but certainly holding my interest entertained by it, invested in some of these characters. I feel like they threw it all out the window on this episode.
0: Yep. Yep. And I mean, I'm just going by like some of the, you know, internet movie database and Rotten Tomatoes and other websites where people, put in their votes and uh to, to, I use this kind of to track, like as a surrogate to see how popular show is and what the general conversation is. And the audience scores on this episode are pretty good. And I'm like, what are people, That's crazy mean, to maybe me. this is just a different audience. Maybe I'm the wrong audience for this, but I, it, it's nuts because the, like you were saying via text earlier, that it, it feels like the things that are good about the show have gone out the window completely. Yes. <laughs> and now we are doing, I don't know. In what the
1: service of some kind of drama that, First of all, is unnecessary, and second, like as I said earlier, I hate this. Is it really happening? Is it in this person's head? Is it a bad trip, or is it real? I I don't care for
0: it. But the tone of this show, basically this episode specifically, I, I wrote down that this is like being at a party when you're the you're, you're the sober or or the, the the one person who's not high. And, well, you're, and you know all these I've often crazy...
1: been the only sober person at a party. <laughs> I was going to ask
0: you about that. Yeah.
1: It is entertaining for a while, right. but Then it does get old. <laughs> right.
0: And now I feel like I'm that you know the designated driver, and the party's getting late. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, people, this isn't as much fun as you think it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, way to put it, I think.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so we open with Masha reliving her daughter's death, which we saw at the end of last episode. And then Carmel runs over, this episode goes wrong so fast, Carmel runs over screaming. She thinks she's she sees her as Lila now, right after. And I knew this was gonna happen, by the way, when she was like saying in last week's episode, what if I look at you, Lars, and I see my husband? I went after him with a fork, right? Uh-huh. And then uh, here she is. She's like, "Lila, you're taking my daughters!" and smashes Masha in the head with a rock, right? Is the stupid, beginning. stupid, so stupid. It's terrible. One thing I wrote down here that I guess might be interesting or important uh, is that you know there's a big theme here in this episode, and they actually put warnings of this, and so trigger warnings here in general, folks, for for this show. This show goes into suicide a lot. We have the lack of Zach, the, who
1: mm-hmm. I guess has
0: become a character in the show, you know, even though he passed away, yeah. uh, who did commit suicide, obviously, it's his anniversary of his suicide. And beyond that, we have Tony openly talking about how he had contemplated suicide. We see Heather on a cliff. We see Francis on the cliff mm-hmm. today. And although
1: she specifically says she was not considering it,
0: but correct, correct. But I mean, there's this concern that kind of Mm -hmm. wafts over the show. And it goes back to the idea of some of the things we've seen in Masha. And I wondered sometimes if we were actually seeing these things or not, like when Masha sees the, you know, uh, it's good to die on her wall. yes. And then when she was looking at the cake, and it said, I went first. Yes. And now in this episode, right before she gets smacked in the head with a rock, the one thing that is maybe thematically interesting here at all is that she says out loud, I will be there. I will be there soon. And this is yes. like, uh, if not now, then when or something like that, is she contemplating suicide? And why is everybody suicidal on the show? But
1: well, I was thinking more it was because somebody said they're coming to kill her by the end of the week, but
0: maybe, maybe, maybe she's expecting that. Right. But once again, I wonder if those things are messages she's sending to herself. You know, I don't even know if these things are literally on the walls. The text messages would be weird, obviously. So maybe I don't
1: most know. importantly, I don't care.
0: <laughs> True, right? <laughs> right. So after Carmel has her episode, oh, I don't even want to recap this episode. You know, they they strap her down, they put her back into the same place where we saw Heather having her episode. They drug her, they give her some sedatives, calm her down. Lars is concerned of the, the buddy system. The buddy yeah. system, correct? And he's her buddy, so he's keeping an eye on her. He's worried about like what are they doing? That you know, she's Frances sees this when she's being carted away and she's like, what is going on here? Francis mentions that she, and I don't know where this came from. I honestly think this might be an improvisation. Francis says that she is seeing herself. She feels that like she doesn't have a head. And when she was younger, she used to see people without heads. And now she feels like she doesn't have a head. And I'm like, what, what is this? I, like agree. I, said, I honestly don't even think this is scripted. I think this might be an improvisation. And they decided to keep it in. I'm like,
1: why? What? She was jealous that last week Jessica had no nose. So now she has to have no head. I don't know. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Um, and then Tony's like, we got to get out of here. Like, we got to get out of here. Which, once again, annoyed the hell out of me. We literally have a scene last week, a very good scene between him and Francis, where not only does he Beautiful. kind of come out of his... You know suicidal ideation that maybe ideation possibly but his suicidal thoughts at least these these feelings he's been having he's kind of coming out of this fog the and he is saying I've been cured I don't know what Masha did but I trust her she fixed me I, I want my life again I want to reconnect with my family I want I want to have a I want to see what's going to happen with us Francis has this great scene and mm-hmm. now he's like, we got to get out of here. She's crazy. <laughs> like, where, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. So what happened? Didn't that happen? Like, is aren't we in the same day that that happened? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand how we pivot that quickly. Once again, so much just feels like we just got to get to the next episode. And it's just people saying crap to get to the next scene. And
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Francis has a fantasy sequence where she sees herself as a young girl again. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You do know,
0: really understand that scene. Or, like a
1: circle of friends.
0: And then Lars mentions that he knows about Connolly, that he's there kind of to do an expose. Masha is upset about this, but she knew, like, I don't, why is she upset about this when she kind of, wh- what else would he be doing there? Like, how would he have not known this story? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Also, do you think, um, and this is like a a minor continuity thing, but I guess that's what I was focusing on this episode. I felt like her bruises and bloodstains were coming and going throughout the
0: episode. Maybe that's realistic. It didn't bother me that much because, you know, like she gets hit at first. You see her at the end, especially in close-up, you see all the bruising, which I guess makes sense because the bruising doesn't happen immediately. It happens later. So
1: maybe they're right. I felt like the stain on the dress and the blood on her face and like whatever. I felt like it was coming and going, but I could be wrong.
0: The stain of the dress is weird because she has blood stains on her dress and you see them. It's a like white partially, dress or yeah, ivory. Exactly. Yeah. And you see them partially washed out. And then you do see a pristine dress. I just assume she changed dresses, but it could be a continuity issue for sure. You might-
1: I mean, this is what I was focusing on this episode to tell you where I stood with the whole thing. So,
0: this whole interaction. I mean, at by one way-
1: point, uh, Francis is seeing Tony as Fabio, right? Yes. Like the
0: whole, I, yeah. uh, and he's like saying the words from her book. Yeah. Then they have a scene once again. I am pretty sure that Francis and Tony are going to end up together so I do not yet again understand the purpose of this scene at all because upsetting
1: very upsetting you
0: have her basically telling Tony that he does she doesn't trust herself she doesn't trust him this whole bizarre conversation They just had this really lovely moment last week. And now he's like talking about running away together. She's like, I don't want to be in a relationship with you because I don't trust myself or trust you or trust my judgment, which I don't know what the purpose of any of that is. Uh, And then, uh, and on top of that, the whole conversation is terrible where she's, it's all math and it's the equation of us. And I don't want to walk the plank with you. And I'm like, what equations and plank walking? Like, (laughs) what is this metaphor? Like, what is going on here? It's like, (laughs) you can't blame it on LSD. That's not, uh, that's not sufficient.
1: I didn't feel like it was true to the characters that they've developed so far.
0: Exactly. And another thing that I don't feel is true to the, the characters either is this, she has conversations multiple times. She talks three times, I think in this episode Once with Tony, once uh, earlier on with Masha possibly, and then once again with Masha on the cliff where she says, when she was that teenage girl telling stories to her friends, she was like the ideal version of herself and that she has been a failed version of that ever since throughout her, her whole entire life. Don't get me wrong. Even very successful people can have depressions. Absolutely. Right. Especially when there's big changes to your life. But the idea that this woman had become a vastly, hugely successful author, she has such an ego about that, that she's so upset about losing her power, even at the very beginning of the show, that she would be like, man, those were the days, 16 years old, <laughs> at summer yes. camp. I'm like, really? Really? I don't know what this show is doing at all. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. And then we have Jessica and Ben. Jessica. Oh uh... My God. These poor people. Why are they even on this show? Why didn't they just change the title and get these people out of here? Or give them something right. to Some drink-
1: perfect strangers. Fine.
0: <laughs> exactly, right? It's just, so the whole scene with them in the hot tub, Ben finally has to do something. This poor actor has something to <laughs> yes. do where he's saying, well, you know, every time you're changing yourself, I feel like what you're really unhappy with is with our relationship and maybe, you know, so... And, but it, it is literally, it's, you know, here we are at the very end of the show. It's the least you can do. And it really is like the least you can do. So she's just like, oh, why would you say that? Let's right. renew our, let's renew our vows.
1: I know uh-huh. everything is fine. That's it. That's all. Now get. that somebody finally said that out loud, I'll tell you, no, you're wrong. And we're, we're all good now.
0: That's it. It's all done. Yeah. Oh my God. These people, what are they even doing on this show? I feel terrible uh-huh. for these people. And we talked about like Samra Weaving briefly earlier, how you know she is wearing prosthetics to make herself look like she's had all this plastic surgery and everything else. Like this poor girl had quite a breakthrough year. She's been in two or three very popular films recently and she's gonna be in a bunch of other stuff um, coming up. So she's, you know, I'm sure she'll have a great career despite this show, but I am sure she's like, wow, I get to work with these famous uh-huh. actors and this is gonna right. be such Huge a famous. breakthrough for me you know changed her body and everything to for this role <laughs> they give her nothing to do other yeah. than be a, a stereotype it yeah. is horrible horrible <laughs> I'm just going to keep going down on how much I dislike. No, so much I
1: mean, I wish I could disagree with you because it would be more interesting as a conversation, but I don't.
0: Lars, I guess this might have been earlier. She, he confronts her with the fact that, you know, well, uh, you know, the Connolly's, you tried this before, you said it was successful. And she goes, I mean, and Masha's response is that it was successful because, well, he's reunited with his brother because he's dead now. <laughs>
1: Like, yeah, kind of like a, a COVID denier. Like, well, there was a pre-existing condition.
0: <laughs> yeah, it totally talks about the pre-existing condition. But I mean, like, she's talking, and it's so crazy. Like, who is this Masha character? I know we're supposed to believe that they're, she's off the rails, but she supposedly was like a big corporate bigwig. She obviously believes in what she's trying to do. So she's talking to a journalist, telling him this? Like, like she's literally telling him to document all this, and she's telling him... <laughs> Mm-hmm. my my this was successful since i killed the person so i reunited them with their dead mm-hmm. relative i'm like what i i don't understand anyone's motivations any of the dialogue that's happening here anything that's happening in this episode is crazy <laughs> from beginning yeah. to end so she says oh but the reason i bring that up is because she says well the marconi's are all very very fit people they are not going to have any health problems fine They're probably not going to get killed by this, but you know, you're kind of missing the point that Lars is trying to bring up and it gets worse. Then they come in and they say, look, Francis is on a cliff. Meanwhile, the Marconis, which at the beginning, even in last week's episode, they seemed very hesitant to do this. At the beginning of this episode, they all seem kind of on board, except for Zoe. Zoe seemed hesitant, but Mm -hmm. the parents seemed on board with this. Oh, and Ma, meanwhile, I didn't even mention this, but Delilah uh, has, she's out, she's taken a truck. She's like, I'm going to go get the cops. I'm out of here. I'm going to get the cops. She tells Yao and uh, she tries to leave and Masha calls her on the phone and goes, you can't leave. You know, there's a code. I'm not letting anybody leave. You have to stay here and help me with these patients. And Of course, Delilah, not of course, but Delilah just drives through the fence and theoretically is like going to town and going to bring the cops back, right? Which, so, like, also
1: anyone could hop that fence at any time. So, what's right. the big deal about the wrought iron gates, whatever?
0: Like, well, I, I guess don't know. not that it was in, remember when they drove in. I mean, in the book, even more so pronounced that it takes them forever to get to the compound. Um, mm-hmm. so I think they had to drive for a while. They're like, you know, because they even say, like, how long do we have to drive on this road? Did I pass I it? See. Like, so, I mean, I would assume that walking would be probably, uh, you know, probably take hours <laughs> to okay. get to anywhere.
1: All right. Possibly.
0: But, um, but yeah, I mean, you could drive a truck through a fence, obviously. So, um, but I mean, I don't think she ever envisioned that she would need to have, uh, you know, in general, no one built this thing to be like a prison compound. <laughs> right although maybe maybe masha wishes it was a prison compound but i
1: know just when she's like close the gates and no one can leave like well you can always hop the fence you you can can always walk out exactly yeah
0: just call an uber if you could get your hands on the phone
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh speaking of hands on phone well okay we're not there yet go ahead (laughs)
0: because carmel with her phone right yeah masha's totally overwhelmed at this point right she's a little overtasked. Yeah. yeah yeah i was telling her i don't have confidence anymore lars is saying you know you shouldn't do this we know about your past delilah's busting out saying i'm gonna go get the cops uh the marconis are gonna back out and this is very very important to her because she thinks she may potentially be able to i guess reconnect with her daughter also then zoe runs in and says i just saw francis she's on the cliff i think she's gonna jump and uh, masha goes over there and uh there's so many questions about this scene one of them is that masha tells her i'm afraid of heights she's terrified to go to the edge of the cliff and I'm like, didn't she dive off of a cliff like in episode Fair two?
1: Point. I didn't think about that. Fair point.
0: I'm like, all right. Maybe it was a shorter cliff, but then she's obviously not that afraid of cliffs possibly, right? You
1: know what I was thinking about? Um, Melissa McCarthy hooked her sunglasses onto the collar of her silk robe. And I thought like, oh, she's really prepared for anything. Again, this is where my mind was this episode. <laughs> it's just in case it's bright out there.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's good point. Mm-hmm. Prepared. <laughs> That's good. Always be prepared. So then Francis goes on about how both of them bond over the fact that their fathers passed away when they were young. I know this is obviously an issue for you as well, but, but honestly, I couldn't, I can't imagine this scene even resonating, even with you with someone who has this, because it feels so thrown in there. It's like, we're throwing this, we're throwing this in now, like now, like what it's so useless. And she once again harps on the fact that her dad would be so disappointed with her because she was, you know, at her prime when she was that age and she's been, it's downhill ever since. Downhill for 40 years. I'm like, really? I Uh I can't, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. If you had that lack of confidence your whole entire life, you never would become a writer. You'd be so afraid of being rejected. And I'm taking some text from the book, by the way. But like in the book. She wrote a book and everybody rejected it and they finally published it and it was a huge hit, like a lot of these women authors have had that experience, yeah, it happens, right? For sure. Yeah. So if she was so traumatized and like she had this lack of self-acceptance for her whole entire life, then how could she just keep being rejected for 40 mm-hmm. different publishers and then mm-hmm. finally publish her book? I, I don't I don't believe this for a second. And then Masha does tell her about her daughter. So she says, I've never told anyone about this, but then she told them, you know, and and basically, you know, that kind of fills in a little bit of a blank there. I was saying, well, this might've been right after they came from Russia, but apparently happened when they were still in Russia and then they left soon after. Yes. But um, that's a little tidbit of something that we get out of this. And I'm sure it's just table setting for next episode anyway. Her daughter's name was Tatiana. I wrote that down. Oh, and she says, and this is something that doesn't make sense to me either. I'm sorry. But they throw in there, once again, just throw it in there that she, you know, loved her daughter and that the only time she ever liked who she was in her life was when she was Tatiana's mother. Right. Mm. And once again, I don't believe that. I mean, this is such a pat. And honestly, I got to tell you, I know Kelly, David Kelly, is writing this with staff writers. He has a writer room. And I'm sure he has women on his writing staff. I mean, he writes a lot of women-centric shows, so I'm sure he has women on his writing staff. But I can't imagine a woman writing any of these scenes, being like, I peaked when I was 15 years old, <laughs> or I never could define myself after my father passed away, mm-hmm. or the only time I ever felt like a person was when I was a mother, right? It's just like, I these are such pat things. And I, I, yeah. I'm sure women have all these preoccupations. I say this as a man, obviously, so I don't have that insight, but I'm sure women have these preoccupations, but I'm sure in the same way that the, you know, the, the theme of the show is that women are more than just mothers, for example, like. Then they go and they throw this in here that the only time I ever felt myself is when I was a mother. It's just like, aren't you contradicting anything thematic Mm. in this show? It's really annoying. (laughs) It just so annoys me. I cannot stop being annoyed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you actually have given that more thought than I have because I just rolled my eyes at the whole (laughs) thing.
0: Well you're a woman, so you have the ability of just maybe to just, yeah. you don't have to analyze. See, I am actually second guessing myself because I'm trying to, you know, because <laughs> I'm point. trying to say, is that would this would I be offended if I was a woman listening to Fair this? Point. But I guess you get to just be offended and really wise. <laughs> <laughs> and then Masha comes back and she's like, down the hatch, I'm gonna do the LSD also, just to push, to you know, pressure these people into doing their doses.
1: Yeah, with everyone being like, uh, oh, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> don't yeah. we kind and of then, yeah TV. i was like hold on a second aren't you <laughs> yeah. supposed to be doing this like what the hell is going on here
1: but don't forget the carmel xanadu
0: oh yeah so i did like carmel singing xanadu that was nice so she can sing a little bit which she can in the book also by the way not that any of this happens in the book by the way <laughs> none of this so mm-hmm. i to be totally clear about that uh yeah so she's singing xanadu and finally um, masha goes to visit her and carmel's like i gotta get out of here Carmel, they give Carmel something to give her a pill, which she does take, right? At first, I thought she wasn't going to take it. And like, maybe going back to the idea that she's not actually taking the medication to give them, but Yao has left when she takes that pill, right? So she's not, she's not like tucking it under her tongue or something, right? Because it's like, Mm. who's she performing for at that point, right? Yeah. And then we see her doing Xanadu. She's dancing along to Xanadu and she has a phone. We realize that she has a phone.
1: Yes. So randomly, assuming this really happened, which, you know, I feel like it's getting a little bit gray yeah. to reality, but she pulls the phone out of the light, which like, first of all, is not the best hiding place. Mm-hmm. Second of all, like, how does she get this phone? They, they have like the worst electronic screening procedure, like, right, right. because Lars had stuff, she's got stuff, I, I don't. Know.
0: I almost forgive it for that because once again, this show is bonkers, but if we were supposed to pretend that this is somewhat realistic in any way, you know, if I'm running a spot, I'm going to be like on your honor that you're handing me your phone. I don't assume you brought three phones <laughs> Like, I'm assuming you're, you know, like you probably only have the one phone, right? Like, so unless you're super sketchy.
1: I see that side of it if it were a typical spa. Yeah. But it's not like you're, they make you sign all the releases. They're constantly taking your blood. It's not a normal place. Right. So for that reason, I think that the screening would not be just like on your honor, but whatever.
0: Who cares at this point? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, so. It's but all... yes,
1: it does paint, especially with her instability. It does seem like then maybe she's the one making the threats.
0: And I'm pretty sure that that's the only reason they had that shot of her pulling that out is to either make her the most prime suspect so that they can twist it's not her at the end, or which I don't care, by the way, uh, or that just to explain that, yeah, it was her the whole time. And that's the explanation. Like, because people will be like, wait a second, it is just a brief shot. I can imagine it being like a pickup like, you know, after they put the show together. Mm-hmm. Carmel had a phone. Oh yeah, we need to do a pickup shot. And they just basically put threw it in here, right? So
1: Is it at the end of that whole sequence when Masha comes to visit her?
0: Yes, so Masha walks in and yeah. she's, Carmel's like, I have to get out of here. Gotta I'm go. Dangerous just like to you. like everybody
1: else, I gotta go. <laughs> exactly,
0: everybody else is trying to bail too. But she's like <laughs> saying, no, I have to go because I'm dangerous. And Masha's like, like, no, 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 you gotta stay. I can fix you. And they're going back and forth and back and forth. And then Carmel has a contact lens case. Now she's got, what is up with that? She's got a milky eye. She's got a cloudy eye. What, what is up with that? What is that?
1: So first of all, was she like taking out the contact that makes her eye look normal? Or was she putting in a contact that makes her eye look not normal? Was all question. of this a part of Masha's delusion because she is now, But um, right? She tells yeah that she has 40 minutes before she's tripping out of her mind. So like, did we hit that 40 minutes? And now this is all in Nicole, Masha's head. I don't
0: know. Prepping for this conversation yesterday, I watched this scene again and she literally has just like taken out contact lenses and then walked over to Masha. So I don't think this is Masha suddenly, she's having a a vision. I think it's explicitly her saying, I'm going to take out this contact lens to show you what haven't been able to see yet, right? Ironically enough, right? And uh, I mean, is this a condition where you have a milky, what is this? Does she have a cataract?
1: Oh, I didn't even think about the medical basis for why her eye would look like that. I have no idea.
0: Kim is only on episode four. So I, and when she gets to this episode, I'm going to have to ask her if there's an actual <laughs> medical condition that uh, mm. explains this. But um, anyway, and then that's the cliffhanger. And it was literally like, I'm like, what is this? A James Bond movie? Like, what is happening here with this reveal? It's, uh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. Oh, my God.
1: Well, so just to spell it out, right? She flashes back to... when she got shot, and she sees the shooter. The shooter is a black man in a hoodie with a goatee, and his eyes are also one milky eye and one regular eye.
0: What What are your predictions for next week if you even want to venture a guess?
1: I have so much apathy about this show right now that it's hard to even care at all. I feel like they set so many things in motion in this next to last episode that whatever happens next week could not possibly be satisfactory. And I would much rather have had a a quiet ending than something that is like going out with a bang, which is what I think they're trying to do here. But I'm just not interested in that bang. I don't know. Will the police come and shut the place down? They should. I don't know if they will. Will somebody kill Masha? Maybe, maybe not. I don't care. I hope Francis and Tony find their way back to each other.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You're not going to, I mean, this is my prediction for next week. I honestly think that this show is going to pull its punches and that it is all to get us to apparently hook us in with all this baloney that they've been throwing at us. And I think that her and Masha are going to talk things out. She is going to talk down Carmel. They're going to have the emotional uh, resolution in that moment. And she's going to go back. Her and the Marconis are going to have that event. I don't know if Masha survives this thing or not. I don't know what the whole plan is. Tony and Francis will walk away together. Maybe we'll flash forward in time and see everybody possibly. But I mean, just saying this, think about how bananas this is. This show is 45 minutes long. I'm pretty sure the next episode will probably be longer. So it'll probably be like a one hour episode or something like that. But think about what you need to do. You have to have the thing with the Marconis she's high and Yao has to talk them all through it. And they got to resolve the Carmel thing. And the Lila's probably coming back with the cops and like, what the hell? Like Antonia and Francis, we got to find out what's going to happen to them in the long run. And Ben, and Jessica will probably like the cops will show up and Ben and Jessica are renewing their vows. Yeah. Who the hell knows? It's just such a mess, and, and it doesn't. And what is none of that matters at all, right? If there yeah. was somehow, and this is what I had hoped maybe would happen, imagine having that last episode where it is Masha and the Marconis, and they're having this experience talking to these to these people that they've lost that they're trying to reconnect with, and they have an emotional experience and that wraps up and maybe Masha gets in trouble, you know, Lars publishes a story and then we catch up with them later on. Like that would be totally fine as a final episode, but th- you can't have that episode now because you have 400 things you got to resolve for no yep. reason, for no reason. Yep. That's yep. Crazy. Totally agree. It's crazy. So this is garbage. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't understand why, like this is a decision that was made to make it this way. And I cannot I mean, I mean, even I what's there, what's... you can cut out multiple scenes and streamline the next episode. You, this is almost something you could have done in post-production, but they chose to do this. Why? Why? It's terrible. It's just terrible.
1: I guess what we need to do is have you finish the book. And <laughs> I have finished the... it. If it makes any more sense that this is the way it is once you're done with the book. I don't know.
0: We will have an episode coming up. I'll preview it now. Uh, I did finish the book. I was pretty certain. I was pretty certain that I was not going to spoil the show anymore. And I did not at all. So I did finish the book. The book is also a total mess at the end. uh, And we'll get into it when I review the book with you. But it is a completely different type of mess. And uh, so, yeah, unsatisfying as a finale of the book. But not like this. This is way more bananas. And uh, despite how messy the plot is at the end of the book, it's very intentional. It almost becomes kind of slapstick at some points. And there's a lot of irony in how we kind of see the characters. I'll kind of preview it now, just so you know, but like the end of the book is like one week later, and we catch up with everybody one week later, and it says two weeks later, one month later. Mm two months later, six months later, two years later, five years later, right? So you see like it kind of walks through the it kind the of evolution Garp, of it. Garp kind of does that actually as well. Um, One of my but,
1: favorite books of all time. That's a great book.
0: It, this is not as good as Garp, by the way. And I also love that book. Yeah, But um, but a similar kind of thing where you see that, although it doesn't end with, you know, not not to, so people expect that. In With Garp, we actually see everybody's lives until they die. We actually fast forward through the rest mm-hmm. of their lives with them. And uh, here, that's not the case. We just kind of jump ahead and we kind of see where they end up. You know how they basically how their interconnected lives continue. You know, in, in to lesser and lesser extents over time, but we kind of see them, and it's a nice little coda to to their experience together. Anyway, so that's how the book ends. So that's satisfying, even though the last fifty pages of that book are a mess, like a mess, until it gets to that coda. Uh-huh. Uh, but I guarantee you that nothing that happens at the end of that book is going to happen in this show <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely looking forward to the ending because I want it to be over. First of all, to be honest with you, and second of all, to see what like what is the plan. Like I assume there's some plan. I'm sure that this week with all this crazy, additional crap they've thrown in there, it is to set up the ending. So I have no idea how that can possibly be coherent. But I'm curious to see what they're going to try. So well,
1: yeah, well, we'll have all the answers this time next week.
0: So my my mission statement to our listeners is everybody, if you have Hulu, watch Reservation Dogs, (laughs) binge it and watch the finale tomorrow because it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, and uh, one last recommendation is uh, if you haven't watched Atlanta, also available on FX on Hulu or just on FX, by the way, uh, definitely watch Atlanta. If you like Reservation Dogs, it's in a totally different vein, but it it has the same type of energy which is just a show that picks a subculture that I know nothing about, like living on a reservation. there's obviously a lot of social problems and it just introduces you to a bunch of characters that you love. I am not a fan of teenage actors. I am not a fan of kid actors. I love these kids on this show. I love them. They're great. And uh, and all these Native American actors who I've seen, some of these people were like haven't seen them since they were like dances with Wolves or, some of these movies from, from years ago—they're all great. You forget how great these actors are. They don't get acting parts. This is what we need more, of, which is just basically saying like, okay. don't Fair just enough. try to shoehorn in the black best friend. Don't, you know, like mm-hmm. give us a story. And this is where I'm relating it back to Atlanta. Give us a story where it just takes place in this milieu, right? It just takes place yeah. in this world and just introduces us to this world. Like just you know, mm-hmm. put people in there and you know think about everybody in atlanta they all those people all that entire cast they're all like stars now right like mm-hmm. and these mm-hmm. kids i think these kids in this show which unfortunately maybe may not get a lot of work because you know like unfortunately there's mm-hmm. just not a lot of work for native american actors but you just see all these incredible native american actors and you're like man these guys all should have their own show these guys these people yeah. are fantastic mm-hmm. right anyway it's it's just such a good show and it's not because it's some kind of social justice show, it's it's just really funny, and I love all these characters. <laughs> Simple as that. So
1: I can't wait to watch it.
0: Yep. Anyway, so those are my last words. Once again, I wanted to put some positivity in there because that's such a great show. So cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening again, and we will see you again next week. Another episode. Okay. And yep. we'll find Talk out how this later. this plane crashes next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>